Welcome to the Theory of DFS podcast. I'm Jordan Cooper, uh, the co-author of the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass you could pick up at theoryofdfs.com. Join with me, as usual, Neil Orfield with the XFL hat on, just like the thumbnail, right, from your from your first appearance here. Uh, That's right. Are, are you actually excited for USFL uh, DFS uh uh, me, me, and James McCool talked about it on the on the DFS pregame show. Uh, our our plan is to instead of playing USFL DFS, is we're going to try to solve Madden Sims DFS. Interesting. Because uh, I, I, I so I've I never gotten that the Madden games may actually be better quality than the USFL. Sure, they're probably better quality. I think we, we've talked about this before. I don't really care about the quality of the games. If there's enough money on the line, I'm going to be interested. Uh, we, we talked about this in NFL, how the product was so bad this year, and I didn't really care because I just had a lot of money on the line, and that makes it interesting for me. Um, so, yes, I, I am excited, uh, kind of depending on the prize pools. Like if they if they do it like hockey like or, or like some other sports where it's like max of – 20,000 is, is like the most you can win in a USFL contest. I'm going to lose a lot of steam uh, with my excitement. But if they're doing 50K, 100K prize pools, then yeah, count me in. I think it's going to depend on what happens with baseball. Yeah, probably. You're probably I mean, right. I mean, truthfully, I'd, I'd play MLB DFS over any of them, over anything. Uh, yeah. And uh, I mean, I don't think this baseball season is going to start on time. Uh, no. For sure. And it's not because I want to play baseball so badly. It's because I I don't – that later and later it gets into NBA season, the less and less I want to play NBA DFS. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I kind of enjoy late season NBA, but it is definitely uh, a lot more hustle. Like you, you really need to be on top of things. You need to be glued to your computer later in the year. So I understand not wanting to play it, but I feel like there's more edge. So I'm into it. Well, wouldn't you say the same thing with USFL? You, you, you have to figure that the injury – Oh, yeah. For USFL yes. is going to be nowhere near. You're not going to get Schefter tweets at, at, at midnight for USFL. Yeah, you need to like find like you need to be searching the player's name in USFL to find out any info on them. And a lot of times it's fans. Like I remember at least one time in XFL, there was a fan tweeting out, "Oh, this player is out on the practice field," and I just had to trust the fan that it was true that that player was actually out there, uh, and it worked out for me. I think I actually made money off of playing some random player that other people weren't playing because nobody was reporting on whether they were playing the game except for some random fan, and I was you know searching Twitter and looking at the latest updates trying to figure out is he actually playing playing in this game i i read that the usfl they'll be playing all their games in one venue apparently i think i just read that this morning yep like that it'll be four games on a day but it'll be back to back to back to back yep so to me that just that just adds more work because it's it's like to me it feels like every week will be like a like like a thanksgiving nfl slate where yeah. it's, uh, you know, it's only four games. You're not getting these 10-game, 12-game slates, first off. And then when you get these slates, it's late swap city. Let's, you know, how that yep. added things, you know, did you get the... You'll be having those tweets, Neil, right? That uh, your your estimation, your non-scientific... Oh, yeah. Of, You're right. Uh, I can do that again. The player's going to make the optimal lineup. Yeah. We'll see. It. We'll see how... Many people get into USFL. If anybody cares about that for USFL, for NFL, I got some positive feedback, but uh, I don't know how many people are going to care about 
USFL contests. If it's, I guess if it's 100K to first, people, people probably will, but uh, it will be even less scientific for me with USFL because it's a lot less hard to predict what you need from a given player. Well, I, I, th- I think uh, you know, they'll start out with decent prize pools. I mean, I think ETR is doing some content for it. I mean, I, I think then when, when you played XFL DFS, the contests were pretty good, right? Yeah. Yeah. There were 100K to first contests. Um, there were early on, especially, it was like they would split it up on. So I think DraftKings would do four game slate. So it was usually two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday. And DraftKings would do a four game slate, and FanDuel would do two two game slates. And I took down one of those for 100K on FanDuel, a two game slate. Um, and then I, I didn't ever actually win one on DraftKings. But uh, yeah, they had uh, varying contest size. I don't remember if they did showdown i think if they did i didn't play it anyway but uh yeah they had for at least the first several weeks i think both sites had hundred thousand dollar prize pools and then i think by week five because it, it only went five weeks uh they were down to fifty thousand to first and is there any difference necessarily when you played xfl dfs to nfl dfs with with is i mean slightly mm. different rules i guess i mean is other mm. of, i mean other than the players being shittier i mean and you have to expect the 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 offensive efficiency to be poorer like was there a dramatic difference in how you played xfl dfs and nfl um not really i would say in general the field overreacted more week to week so like week one oh this player was the clear stud on this team he had 10 catches for 100 yards then everybody would jam that player in the following week so it was the field played differently but yeah it was uh the same way I would play NFL for those kinds of scenarios if they came up in NFL. But I would say, in general, there was less content, uh, less information out there in general just about players and teams and what we could expect. So it was more doing my own research in terms of like scouring Twitter and trying to figure out who was playing and uh, what, what I could learn there versus just listening to content or reading content to figure out who were going to be, you know, the players who were expected to be involved. Um, and then I don't, I don't remember if there were ownership projections for XFL or if I just uh, kind of had an idea of how people were going to react to certain players week to week. Um, so, yeah, the truth is it's I, I can't remember exactly how good the content was out there. I don't think it was as... Um, I don't think there was as much. There definitely was not as much. I don't remember to what extent there was like ownership projections and how good the projections were. I think I think Osmo might not have actually done projections for the first couple weeks, and then maybe maybe later in the in the five week season they started doing them. But uh, yeah, it's uh, in general the same kind of game theory applies. Right, but there's no sample size on anything though. I mean, yeah, talk, exactly. Talk about literal. Brand new teams. What team? Who has good defense? Who has good run defense? Who knows? Yeah. I mean, no, right. no one. I mean, really, no one knows anything. And I guess you're right that that when you when there's literally no league or team sample previous to current, when you have a one week sample size, yeah. people just overreact and go, oh, oh, 24 carries for 140 yards and two touchdowns. Obviously, obviously they're giving in. The, obviously, uh, you know we can project that again, right? Yep. And not care about you know, especially the receivers with the target shares, right? So I mean, like, oh, okay, one well, uh, eight for eighty. It, uh, okay, I guess he has yep. a twenty-two percent target share, and it's like, well, the next week, who knows? I mean, who knows? Yeah. 
Exactly. Yeah. It's just a matter of, yeah, the, the small sample size and that's all people have to go on. So people just majorly overreact to those. And I think even the projections probably overreact to that kind of thing. Cause what else can you do? You can't just like say, Oh, it was random. It's a one week sample size. We can't read into it at all. They're going to read into the little information that we have. So uh, yeah, I think just in general, it paid off to get a little bit different. So how many, how many games are they playing in this season? I don't know. I, I actually have not, uh, to be honest, gotten into USFL yet. I haven't done any research other than I was tracking the the draft selections as they were coming in and looking for familiar names from the XFL. Um, but yeah, I have not really done any research into USFL yet. That's something I'll you know, dive into once the time comes, like I do with every other sport. I mean, you've talked about how you don't you don't know which players have switched teams until uh, the season starts for various sports, and I'm kind of the same way in general. I'm not not usually paying attention until it's relevant to me until the season comes up. Well, looks here I'm on the Wikipedia page, so eight teams, and looks like hosting eight teams holding forty three games. So how many how many games is that? Forty three. I guess that includes the playoffs. I don't know. Right. I'm trying to read here. And so 32 to 35 games are planned to be played at Protective Stadium, while 8 to 11 are to be played at Legion Field. So that's Birmingham, Alabama. So if you're down in Birmingham, Alabama, you're going to love USFL, I guess. Season schedule. Okay, each each team will play a 10-game schedule which each okay. team facing divisional opponents twice and non-divisional opponents once. It's April 16th to mid-June. The fact that they have team names, that they're playing all the games in Birmingham, Alabama, yet there's the Houston Gamblers, the New Orleans Breakers, the Tampa Bay Bandits. The New <laughs> Gives Jersey you an allegiance, Generals. right? Are, are you going to just root for just like, oh, I'm, I'm in Philadelphia, so I guess I'm a Philadelphia Stars fan, even though I can't actually see my team play in Philadelphia because they're playing all the games in Birmingham, Alabama. I mean, probably that—that's what they're counting on, right? They—they they need to give fans something to cheer for, some some reason to cheer for one team versus the other. So, right, you're cheering for laundry, isn't that what the, that's? It's a Seinfeld bit. Cheering for laundry? Oh, because of the the, the uniforms, right? Because okay. players switch teams or whatever. So, really, all you're rooting for is is, is people's laundry. <laughs> okay. Yes. Right. Yeah, essentially. That's essentially yeah. what we're doing. Since they're not not even playing home games, yeah, it's true. And most and most of the time, I mean, on, on a t- any team, most of the time there's no one on the team that's actually from the city that they play. Yeah, that's true of all sports. Right. So really, what's what are we rooting for? I mean, I, I mean, are, me, are me, we getting into tribalism here? Is that the conversation we're having? Well, I mean, we we the play the I don't, I'm not rooting for anything other than my lineup. So I like it doesn't it doesn't matter to me. But it's, I mean, uh, I, it's, it's, it's like, I root for Minnesota teams, but it's they're they're clearly take second behind my bankroll. <laughs> so yeah, I want the Timberwolves to win, uh, but I want myself only to win. Because that's the franchise that happens to. Yeah, I mean, it is one hundred percent there. Other yeah. than that, yep. I mean, what does it is? Is there any reason why you should? No, I don't like the owner. So like, I, I don't have any real reason to cheer for the team. I don't even like Carl Anthony Towns is like the star, and I. You know, he seems like a decent guy. He's also just really corny, and I don't know. He, he's not like he's not the guy who would be my favorite player in a vacuum if it was like if, if I didn't have a local team. But uh, yeah, th- there's no reason for me to cheer for the Timberwolves. I do love Ant Edwards just because he's fun. Um, but other than that, yeah, it's just a just a locality thing. You got the Vikings. You got the Twins. Yep. Right. 
You got the Minnesota yeah. Wild. Yeah, I, don't, I don't even watch hockey, so. Right. You got you got I the should. Minnesota right the United and the MLS. Yep. Been, been to a few of their games. Okay. There's stuff to, there's stuff to root for. I yeah. Guess. No, I I guess that's the reason. You can go to the games and it's fun to, you know, cheer for cheer for a team when you go to the game. But yeah, I'm not I'm not super into the the tribalism aspect of sports either, but you know, like I can understand fun. I can understand rooting for a team if it represents your community. Sure. Like like, like I almost feel like I understand more about like college basketball or college football. Right. Or even high school sports. Yeah, Texas like, high school football. Right, but at least that to me that's understandable. I mean, it's very similar around the world with soccer. Like not in the not in the top leagues. Cuz you got you go to England and like mo- most most of the people that most of the players that play for the Premier League teams, I mean, 60% aren't even from England, right? Yeah. Let alone from the actual cities that that the that the clubs are in, but you go down to the third, fourth, you go down to the lower divisions. I mean, these are these are community teams. These are, I mean, the 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 chairman of the board of the team is the guy that owns the auto dealership in town. I mean, like it's right. It's, a, it's and the players that come up are they came up through the school system in that in that town in that city. So it's like most yep. of the people on the team. Are actually you know the people, yeah, so it city. makes more sense to actually right. cheer for them. Right. I agree with you. Like, yeah. I'm from this city. Totally. Okay, we they, they represent us, but it's like yeah. rooting for the Yankees. It's like what, like only because they're in New York. I mean, but that's what you do. I mean, you don't know any better when you're younger, right? When I was a teenager, yeah. it was like Rangers, Giants, Yankees, Knicks, and it's like, oh, none of these people are actually from New York. Why, why am I? Why do I care? Why? Why does it matter? Only I mean, but here. then for me, like as a Timberwolves fan, I I do like players better. If they like Minnesota, which is a, a weird thing, and like I know it doesn't really make sense, but like are they going to not D'Angelo Russell? Say they don't like Minnesota, of course. They're not. I mean, gonna, some even players if they hate Minnesota. They're not going to tell you. Yeah, but some players embrace it more and are more vocal about like I want to be here. This is where I want to spend my career. I feel like Pat Beverly, D'Angelo Russell have come in and really embraced Minnesota. Uh, I whereas think, I you know, think Zach, it's all a branding thing. I think they. I think oh, it totally is. Not live there. Nobody wants to be in Minnesota. <laughs> why would they want to? Why would they want to live in Minnesota? Small market is cold. There's no incentive for all them the players to do the same thing. They come to every, every, especially in soccer, when they always talk about the supporters or whatever. That the, 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 whatever team you play for, that they have the best supporters, right? Right. We yeah. play for the fans and the the, the the best the best the best supporters in all of the league and whatever. And then next year they're on another team and they're talking about how their supporters are the best. They love yeah. playing in front of them. Come on. Come on. Yeah. And in Minnesota, it's like, yeah, we're 30th out of 32 in attendance. Like, come on. Nobody's buying that we're the best fans in the league. But, I mean, there are there are markets that are better than others. Oh, for sure. Right. You'd love to play in New York or Los Angeles. Well, or- I, think, I, no, I, I, think, I think players like playing in New York and L.A. because they, they prefer living in big. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or like yeah, Miami there are more knowledgeable. The I mean, it's not because of the fans. It's because of like, oh, they it, if they weren't playing basketball or whatever sport they are, they would prefer as, as someone that that is worth millions upon millions of dollars and doesn't have to worry about the, the affordability of a city like they who's not who's going to choose Indianapolis over right. New York. Right, right. But you mean apart from that, there are some actual like more knowledgeable, more serious about it fan bases that 
players would prefer to play for? I don't think it has anything Apart to do from with the players. City? I think it's more of the just the fan bases are better. Oh. Or better. Sure. Or, or They all have their different personalities, right? Yeah. Especially in the Northeast. Boston, New York, Philadelphia, right? Yep. Like Distinct personalities, for sure. Very distinct personalities. Yeah. Now, now if, if playing DFS, it doesn't really matter where you play. Like, truthfully, in in DFS, you, you would prefer, like, I think... I think the best place to play DFS is Canada. What do you mean? Because there's no taxes? Because there's no tax, right. Right. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure, yes. For sure, it's the best place to play. So, like, if, if you were, Neil, now that now you're playing DFS full-time, and you, the location doesn't matter as long as it's legal to play where you are, is there a reason to yep. live in Minnesota anymore? My wife's job. <laughs> well, other other but. than that. I'm, I'm like my family and stuff. Like, obviously, well, there are no okay. DFS let's, let's reasons. Let's go through all yeah. stuff there. Okay, screw that. Right. All that. But I mean, if, yeah. if 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 it came to, if it came down to it, like truthfully, play like if you're if you're if you're twenty something years old with no dependent. Yeah. If you're trying to maximize your profitability, yeah, move to Canada. <laughs> and if you if you don't hate the cold, but uh, I yeah, if we're just if we're just trying to maximize profitability, yes. But even if you're Canada. not moving to Canada, it still would be. Like, like, I mean, like, I obviously I came from New York and now I live in Louisville, but the main reason is because it's so much cheaper to live here than it is in New York. And if you don't yeah. need New York as a location, I don't see any reason why you need why you should live there. Yeah, I mean, unless you enjoy New York as a city, but from a profitability standpoint, I agree with you. Right. So, 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 you, so, so, what you need to do is you need to. You need to get rid of what your wife has to find a new job, and you have to get rid of a family, and then move to a a better a better uh, state for uh, <clears throat> both tax purposes and 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 just weather. Well, yeah, that's that would be hard to do, but I mean, yeah. So I guess Louisville, you're probably right in the in the mecca of like places you'd like to live in terms of good weather, low taxes. Yeah, yeah. For I mean, I I guess I guess Alabama would be cheaper. If I okay. further south, Tennessee, yeah. Alabama, Mississippi, but who wants who wants to live in Mississippi? I mean, right? I mean, yeah. that's that's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, but uh, from, from a weather standpoint, I, I love the way it said. Well, you could live anywhere. You'd rather live where it's warmer. But when the hell do I leave the house anyway? So what is it? <laughs> <laughs> we had that tweet. Did you see that tweet on Twitter? The, the hundred hundred thousand dollars to not leave your house. Right. Like yeah, for, for what? Easily. For a week, I think, or something. Was it a yeah, week for or one a week. month? I mean, whatever time one week. it was, it, it was, was one week. Short, right? Yeah. To, yep. to not even step foot outside. I'm like, like, dude, that. I've probably done that in the I've past two that, years. Right? I'm guessing I've done that. Maybe not. I don't know. Because I, I leave to like walk the dog and do random stuff. But it definitely would not be an issue for me. Right. So the should the weather matter? No, I could do it in the summer too. I mean, I'd rather do it in the winter, but uh, I could do it in the summer too. But there are probably days I don't leave my house during the summer as well. Another thing about location, since we're on the subject, do you think that there's uh, what would be the ideal place to live from a time zone perspective? Uh, West Coast, I would think, just because you could you'd be done early enough in the night. To, to do what you know, you could you could do all of your late swaps and then go out and enjoy your life. Yeah, but or you could do it the opposite and do it beforehand. 
I would gu- I would guess it depends on what type of person. If you're if you're yeah. a morning person, you'd prefer the West Coast, and if you're a night person, you prefer the East Coast. Maybe I'm a night person for sure, so I should prefer the East Coast. Uh, but I, because I'm a night person, I feel like I would rather get all of my late swapping done before I go out and go out where? Anything. What are you doing? There's nothing. I don't know. I went out and doing anything. That's that, that's true. That is that is accurate currently. Uh, but I feel like there have been stages in my life where I would go out and do things, and I do I enjoy you know, having a social life. So it would be better for me to get my, my late swaps out of the way before I socialize. But would you have, but Sunday morning waking up for 10 AM lock for NFL. You're right. That would suck. That, that part I would not enjoy. <laughs> right. So you might be right. Maybe, maybe so- I would prefer soccer that. for me. That means it would be a 7 AM premier league Saturday morning lock. Get out of here. Waking up at yeah. seven in the morning on Saturday. Well, get out of here. Right. Yeah. So that. I guess it's different for me for NFL versus NBA. Right, well, NBA, NBA I'd rather be okay. I could I could see how oh four p.m. right for and and then you NBA you the last game locks at like seven thirty p.m. and yep. then you're good and what okay, okay I get it right I could I could understand that, I could understand so that, that that's what I'm thinking when I say it before West Coast is right. I'm thinking of NBA but right everything now. else there's other sports yeah. yeah that would it would change right USFL if those games start at like noon Eastern. Right, that's nine a.m. Yeah, for that I would prefer to be East Coast. Right, and it's not just not like a nine a.m. lock. I mean, you're probably going to be up an hour, an hour and a half, two hours right, before you that. To, right, to build yeah. your lineups and everything. So, although USFL is just one game, so you really don't need as much. True, time. but how about NFL? Oh, ten in the morning, and now you're waking yeah. up. You got to got to be out of bed at eight in me. the morning on on Sunday mornings. Yeah, that would that would definitely be an issue for me. Right. Right, I'd rather just be up late. I'd rather I'd rather be on the East Coast and just be up late. I don't yeah. mind. I don't mind ba- baseball. We have sometimes baseball games that are still, you know, it's the fourteenth inning and it's one forty-five in the morning on the East Coast. But yep. I mean, I I could go to sleep and wake up and see if I won the next day. Who cares? I mean, whatever. Right. Right. It's not. It's not that big of a deal. So 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 to me, the East Coast of Canada, so Nova Scotia, <laughs> would be. Yeah, but the weather it'd still be cold. I kind of don't like the cold anyway. Is it is 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 DFS league is can you play in DraftKings in the Caribbean? Is Puerto Rico? No idea. Can we can we do it in Puerto Rico? Don't know. Never been. Okay, because that would that that would be ideal. Oh yeah, for sure. Now we're on the now we're on the East Coast and and now it's warmer. Yeah. I'd say these are things you need to look into before you move. Is it legal to play where I want to move to? Right. So I guess the worst place to play then would be Alaska. I would not enjoy that. Yeah, but that's or just I in general Hawaii, the worst I mean, place to live. The weather and the, the the place would be great. Hawaii is expensive to live, right? And you'd be you'd be wait you'd be waking up at five in the morning for NFL lock. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not interested in that that lifestyle. So I, I guess there's no right answer to this question of which no, is there the is best a right answer. time zone. Okay, what's your right answer? I don't know, but it's it's. <laughs> I don't, but it seems like the, the 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 time zone debate it always comes down to what whatever you're used to. There's people that grew up on the West Coast that go, I can't see possibly doing anything else than that time. And if you grew up on the East Coast, when you know, I would go to Las Vegas when I when I was playing poker. Uh, 
I, I went to Las Vegas like three or four times a year and it was just like, I'd, I'd, I'd be up, I'd wake up at, uh, at 1130 or something. Right. Cause I mean, you'd play it to like three in the morning or something. Then you wake up at 1130 noon and you're like, why the hell is the football? Why are the football games on? <laughs> like it's already yeah. halftime of like Sunday football games. And I'm like, and then, and then what ends up happening is if you're a night person, it's now it's, it's 10 o'clock at night. Right. And you're like, why are sports over? Right. Right. Like, why is, why is there nothing or... on? Why, 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 why literally is no, why is nothing on anymore? Yeah. Why does any, nothing exists. Right. So, yeah. so yeah, to me that, that, that's my correct answer. It's like, I'm a night person. I typically don't go to sleep till one in the morning as it is. Yep. Me so too. Why, why do I, why do I care about getting all my late swaps in by seven thirty at night? Just so I could just twiddle my thumbs for the rest of the day. Yeah. But I'm also talking to someone that had, that has no life outside of this. Yeah. I, I'm a pretty social person in general, so I would like to get stuff done and then be able to go out and, you know, go to play softball or play trivia, whatever I have going you can't on. Do on that given in the night. afternoon. Uh, it's more. I, I think could, it's more about other people, right? Because like it, you, you, you are friends with normal people. Yeah, I'm friends with normal people. So they, they, they they're working at two o'clock in the afternoon. So you can't just yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, <You're> right. <laughs> yes, my schedule needs to line up with my wife and my friends and other people as well. I can't just I can't go do trivia by myself. What 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 do you what do, what do your what do your friends think now that that you do this full time? Like, do they do they uh, understand think, anything about any? I mean, I know your wife obviously does. Yeah. So what I would does your say, wife say to her friends where it's like, oh yeah, Neil quit his his uh, very well paying job to uh, to sit at home at at two o'clock in the afternoon and talk to someone someone across the, that he doesn't know from in Kentucky and then yeah. uh, do some spreadsheet stuff and then yell at a, at a sports screen. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's the one that I, I overheard her saying on a work call. Uh, it's not gambling. It's skills-based <laughs> daily fantasy sports that I play, which I loved hearing that. I was like, yes, I, <laughs> I've made it. <laughs> if, if she's calling it skills-based at this point. Um, yeah. So she, you know, she's, she's bought in. Uh, well, obviously she did. I'm talking about like everyone else, like, do, do yeah, people yeah. Do, do your friends and people like that, her friends and relatives or whatever, think that like that you're it's a scale. Right. Yeah, it, it's definitely a scale. So, uh, yeah, like I, I remember. So last year uh, at the when I was at the Tournament of Champions, we sent like a, a screenshot of my lineup to her family saying, OK, this is the lineup that we're cheering for now. And her sister responded right away. Don't try to catch lightning in a bottle twice or something like that. And a lot of people, I think, just have that mentality of, oh, you're a gambler. Like that. that's so right, people, that it's a lottery that it's just there's always yeah, going to be those people that, oh, you're just you play the lottery essentially every day. And this isn't long term. It can't be profitable long term. So I think that there's always going to be some people that uh, don't understand what it is or just think that it is, you know, one of the, a casino game that long term you're going to lose. Uh, and then I think I have friends who I are willing to get into it more deeply and we I can actually like explain how it works and explain how there is edge. And yeah, I definitely have a lot of friends who understand what I'm doing and and a lot of friends who I think would say it's a perfect job for me because I've always been super into daily fantasy sports and analytics and uh it, it just kind of it makes sense for me more than being a lawyer which i think anybody who uh who knows me probably 
knows that it's not right for my personality, the job that I had been doing. So for the most part, I think my friends kind of understand it, understand what's going on. Uh, but it's definitely a scale. I have friends who um, I, we told one of my friends uh, on a, I, I do a, a monthly Zoom call with my college friends and uh, explained that I had quit my job to do daily fantasy sports. And she said, oh, well, I guess, Elisa, you just have to accept that you are the, you're bringing in all the money now or something like that. I was like, we, we didn't go into it and didn't, we didn't tell her like, no, that's not the case. It's actually, it pays pretty well. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a scale for sure. I, but I would think that the the, <laughs> the content stuff that you do, like, looks a little bit more normal yeah well that, that that's one of the the benefits of doing the content like i don't get paid much at all for the content i do and i don't do that much but to be able to just tell people yeah and i do content related to daily fantasy sports then people are like oh okay that makes sense like that's that's a respectable job to do content related to something or maybe to some extent more respectable at least in people's minds than gambling right because a lot a lot of times like if i'm out and about or something like going to the dentist or the doctor or whatever they always ask you about your occupation or whatever if i feel like not explaining anything i just say that i'm a web developer because that, that's nice. what i mean i you know i've been doing that for 20 plus years so that's i just uh, computer programming you know something it's even though it's technically not computer programming but whatever just uh, whatever but then sometimes like it's well i i do i you know you, you know fantasy football oh yeah i know fantasy football it's like i i i do uh i i i do shows like i i, I yep. do that for right like i make it like i do like a raid like a like a web radio show like you 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 make it out like that but especially yep. when when i can't take you know uh like appointments like at eleven o'clock in the morning, like oh, can can you come in at uh, at ten o'clock? It's like nah, I got my I got my show, you know my 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 that's my job to do my show eleven o'clock in the right. morning, right? Not not everything else, like, but but from the most of the people that 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 know me for a long time know that that whatever whatever I'm doing is going to be something that is not is not commonly commonly acceptable, and people don't think that you could possibly make money doing it. Right, <laughs> like that's pretty yep. much pretty much my my entire life is oh my, like my relatives, I I most of my relatives I come from a Jewish family so it's pretty much lawyers accountants doctors you know biochemists and computer people I mean it's just it's all it's all boring. I mean there are a lot of Jewish comedians right yeah well true also. but I'm saying but but my entire family just do those types of things so it's like yeah, oh yeah. oh Jordan oh he's a he stand up comic. And plays poker, and then uh, it, it does like it's it's always going to be something where it's like, like I, I hope he's able to pay his bills, and it's yep. like no, I I make more money than most of you people, and and, and sit and do this shit for, right. for twenty plus years, just not having a real job. Uh, yep. So explaining it to like to like to my relatives, it it's I, I'm I'm the I'm the misfit person. I'm, Are there, I'm the, I'm do you have the, some relatives who get it? Or are they uh, all no, kind of? No, my dad, I mean, I, it's not like I talk to these people that often at all. Okay. Right. All right. Right. But but most of the, most of the time, if you relate, if you relate it more to like poker, like people, it's it's past the point. Like maybe in two thousand two, two thousand three, two thousand four, even though poker was was booming then, it still was viewed down as oh, you you play that as a live. That's not a real thing. But now people yeah. respect. They know that there are professional poker players, so you could say that right, right. you're a professional poker player, and it's not like, and it's not like you're you're a degenerate or anything. Uh, yeah. 
But with the fantasy football, with fantasy stuff, I typically relate it to fantasy football. And I go, you yeah. know, fantasy football. And it's like, well, I'm really good at it. And I play in high state. Like I, I, I relate it more to season long stuff because they at least yeah. know it's like, oh yeah, I play in a $10 fantasy football league in my office type of thing. It's like, yep. well, there's this whole industry of people that play for a lot of money. And I'm oh, really DraftKings good at it. is advertising. A lot of people have seen DraftKings advertisements. Right. So theoretically, you can say, have you heard of DraftKings? That's right, what but I, sometimes I, it's I a bad thing. Like, sometimes that's a bad... 2015, true. 2016, where it was all over the place, especially yeah. with, uh, you know, in the news, and then they banned it here, and it's like, oh, the play, the, 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 the John Oliver had a segment about it. Or it's like, oh, you play, you play the, oh, you Miss think that. you could win at the, the thing that, you could, that no one could win at? But of course, they don't go by the, like, oh, well, 2% of all the players win all the money. It's like, yeah, I'm part of that 2%. Like, uh, right. you're part of the 98% that yeah. doesn't win at this shit. Right. <laughs> so that's, but t- typically it, it, it leads to, it le- either leads to no questions or it leads to too many questions. There's not, there's never a sweet spot. Yeah. I, I I I don't mind the sweet spot of someone that's interested. Yeah. And to to the point to the point where it's 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 not like you have to essentially explain every aspect of the entire game. Or you get the people that view it as as like a complete throwaway of like like you said, it's like it sounds yeah. like you're just going and playing scratch off lottery tickets at the bodega. Exactly. I think a lot of people make living. that assumption. Right. Yep. Yeah, I think I think you uh it's good to uh, associate it with with poker just because it's like, yes, there is a lot of luck involved in this, but long term, there are people who can do it professionally. It is a game where you can win long term. It's not like, you know, you're playing against the house and the house is going to win long term. It's not like blackjack where like you're guaranteed to lose if you keep playing. It's like poker where you're playing against other people. And if you're good enough, you can, you know, consistently win long term. And they've heard of professional poker players. I mean, they may not know people's names. They know that there are people like that. Oh, the people I've seen on TV and maybe they've been on the Tonight Show or, you know, like they're okay. It's a it's a thing. You don't, they, we, we don't, we don't get, uh, you know, Alex isn't, isn't, uh, appearing on the Colbert show on CBS right. or, you know, like that there's no, there's no like professional DFS players that the mainstream public, like no matter how many video goat videos that DK puts out on his YouTube channel for 89 viewers, people don't know who right. Big T is and whistles yep. and, and, and awesome are. Yeah. Yeah. People outside the industry. I think I think the gateway there is more uh, season long people doing daily fantasy sports content. It's probably the gateway to bringing in more of an audience because there is a pretty big audience for season long content. I think, and people play that. Yeah, tons of people play season right. long. Right, and yeah. I mean people still would play on like DraftKings or Fandom and do the daily stuff, but to them that's the that's the lotto ticket. Exactly, but yeah. they can understand if they've played in an office or a friendly fantasy football league they understand that there is some skill to it right right there's some but a lot of a lot of those people who played the season long in my experience are the people who are more like well daily fantasy sports is, is just a lottery like there's right. no skill involved there because it's so different that they don't understand the different the different type of skill involved in dfs versus season well, long. The, well the skill gap the skill gap in daily fantasy is bigger than in in season long, you could get luckier in season long than you get in. Daily. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Mean, t- I mean, take a look at you know, especially if, if uh, in a league that is is draft, 
draft. I mean, like, yeah. like oh, Christian McCaffrey, oh, out for the season. Right. You I mean, like, yeah. How, how how do you get around that, right? Like, the injuries are just, you're done, right? All, all of a sudden, you don't have a quarterback for week six, and you have to pick up Blake Bortles or some bullshit, right? Like, I mean, I think... I think it depends on how into it you are. Like, I think if you're a really serious season long player, you can always week to week take advantage of players being dropped or, you know, you see a guy getting hurt, picking up their backup. At least in my experience, it was always back when I was super into it, there was always an edge just to being super into it. <laughs> Whereas I think most people just don't care enough to, to right. find no, that I'm not edge saying that there isn't an edge. I'm just saying that the edge in daily fan daily is much bigger than in, in season. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Like it's 100%. much easier to get unlucky playing season. Like it, even if you're just not in one league, if you're in 10 leagues, you could be the best season long fantasy football player and come in seventh or worst place in all of them. Right. Sure. Even with, even yeah. if you diversify in like some leagues you have, you had this spot and some leagues you had that spot just with the, just how the nature of, NFL is where you can't draft every week. Now, if you were in a if you were in a league with you redrafted every week, so sort of like a daily seasonal type of thing, then I could then to me that that's bigger edge. Oh yeah, that'd be a huge edge. Yeah, I agree. But I mean, I'm, I'm more edge in DFS for sure. Acquire. We both. I mean, we both know this. Already. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, I'm on your side here. I prefer right. DFS. I think there's more of an edge. I think there's a reason that good players stay good for longer. Yeah, I'm with you. And then there's the middle ground, which is best ball. Yep. Yeah, I have not had... It's funny because I put so much effort into best ball, and I'm like, man, I can't believe that I haven't had a really good year yet. Like, I, I haven't made the finals in a best ball contest yet. And then I think about it more, and I'm like, yeah, it's extremely small sample size. <laughs> like, it's, right. I, it's, I've played two seasons. That's basically two slates. Like, it's 150 lineups per season, but that's like extremely small sample right. size. Right. No- imagine playing tonight, Monday NBA, and Tuesday NBA, and then going, uh, I don't know why I haven't won yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. That's essentially right. what you said. But it feels like because you put so much effort into it, and like each draft is like, you know, can be. Anywhere from like half an hour to if you do a slow draft, it'll take weeks potentially. Or then why do week, it? That, to me, to me, that's 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 my that's my case to be made for not investing money into it. I think yeah. I think and I that, think the first first off, it hold you have to hold your money for that long, right? It, it you know yeah. you, you don't have you're it's not available to invest elsewhere. And number yep. two, just the just the time basis of like you said, a half an hour draft times 150 for one slate. Yep. For it's what essentially is one slate. Yep. And you have to put all that at like, why am I? Why? Why is the return that good? Now I can understand if it's part of your normal if portfolio and investment and all. I mean, I, I'm not saying that you can't do it, but given the choice, I'd rather spend the money. I'd rather spend the money and the time elsewhere. Yeah, I, I would rather spend it on DFS in general. But yeah, I think I'm mean, part of it's just an, a fun and entertainment aspect of it. You put in this effort and then you have that team for the entire year. So there is, you know, they're holding your money, but you're also theoretically uh, being entertained by it all year. Of course, well, I don't look at my best ball teams. That's a recreational person. To us, yeah, for a recreational person. Right. Yeah, for, for a pro, um, a lot of times there's major overlay. 
So I'd say that's one reason to chase it in best ball. I have not had success with that because usually when I am chasing the overlay and, and it's usually, it can be like 50%, like some of them only fill up 50%. Then I will on the last day start majorly chasing that overlay, but then I have it set to auto draft. And so far I have not found that to be a successful venture, even with the overlay. It's like, okay, but if it's set to auto draft, uh, the teams that I make are so bad that they're not good enough to compete, especially because on, on DraftKings in particular, you can't set any kind of positional limits or anything like that. So like on underdog, you can sort of uh, craft how you how you want your team to look. I want to have two quarterbacks, you know, 10 wide receivers, whatever. On DraftKings, you can't do any of that. And my teams end up being so shitty when I have it auto drafted that even if it is fifty percent overlay, I end up losing money. So, uh, but theoretically, if if you actually put in the time and chase that overlay, overlay is one big reason to uh, invest in best ball. Um, yeah, because because like Justin Herzig, I know like last season for underdog, like set up an entire like auto draft script thing for his strategies really? or whatever like if you could scale it like that then i'd be much more much more open yeah to doing so i mean of course but then you have to put in all the time in order to get that like it's just like any other system or any other process for dfs is that the more and and we, we see this i mean in dfs especially that the better you get at dfs the more that basically you're taking a more complex process and simplifying it and simplifying it and speeding it up so you yeah. can scale it better and it's not a matter of make it's not a matter of making your process more advanced it's actually making it more basic where right cuz when you first start playing DFS and like before projections before anything you're spending you could spend 6 hours figuring out what you know who to play and what to how to put lineups together whatever and then once once you get good at that then you start cutting out and going how can i speed this up what stuff matters right. what stuff doesn't matter how now i'm building i'm only building five lineups what, what happens if i wanted to build 20 how do i make it easier to do that and then but you know three four years down the road next thing you know it's you're just showing up for a slate like 15 minutes before lock and blasting out 150 lineups and then closing your laptop and it's like right. people look at that and then but the reason why that there's still an edge is because there's still the majority of people playing are people that look at that process as oh that that that's that's lotto luck type of right. you know oh all you're doing is punching in numbers and letting the computer choose you, you press money. a button and yeah exactly right type of thing a lot and, of that. and uh, how show me and then they want to know what the button is right, right. and now it's like yeah. no no Everything that I've ever learned about DFS and everything that all the strategies and everything where I could look at a slate and know this, 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 move that there, this guy's going to be more like, like you have to do that first and then translate that yeah. into some type of automated or streamlined process. So you can then press the button, yeah. like your button is going to be different from my button, right? Yeah. I will say, I think that what you're talking about right now sounds like MLB to me more than anything. Whereas like, I do think with NBA, there is, you can't show up 15 minutes before and have an optimal strategy. Because for NBA, you need to be planning for late swap. Like you, you need to understand yeah, you where that, there you are potential. Minutes. Yeah, I suppose. If, if you look at the right resource, you can figure out, you know, how questionable a guy really is, how likely a guy is to play, that kind of thing. So maybe... Maybe to some extent. Um, 
I think uh, so, so. I just did an interview with uh, a Hubro on High Stakes. Right. Uh, I listened. I listened uh, this to past that. Friday. Yeah. So right. Friday before. If you listen to him, he's doing much more with his process than I do with mine. And I do think that he gains some EV with, he puts in a lot more work into his groups and yeah, his that, setting no, his, in his, Fantasy Peter's, Peter, Peter and I are very, very similar to what we do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you both put in, you're, you're focused on the lineups and you make sure that you have settings set up so that you have, you know, no negative correlation and, or, or you limit your negative correlation amount, right. and you're letting, obviously you're ultimately letting the optimizer choose your lineups for you, but it's based on tons of different settings. Whereas I'm like, I have a few settings that I put in there and then I mess with exposures and I end up with some definite negative EV lineups. So um, yeah, there, there's definitely, you can improve by putting more time in, I would say. Right. Uh, but yeah, but, I think, but the more that I think you that, do, the quicker it gets like, like Peter on yeah. the show talked about, because you asked him about like saved groups or whatever, and I'm very yep. similar to him where I don't save anything and I just do it slate by slate. But like he explained, it, it's once you're used to it, you just all I go is like uh, I could, I could show up you know what a half an hour before NBA lock. That'd be I could probably do it in 15 minutes, but half an hour would be easy. And then just load up projections, and I'd load up projections from multiple sources, right across. Yep. I could drag those into Excel if I want, but a lot of times I'm using one set base projections, which is typically the RG projections, and I'm adjusting those. So I'll go yeah. to it say, this site has this guy for four more minutes. This one has for three more minutes. I may bump that. I may bump up his projection by two points. I may bump up the ownership and change all that type of stuff. But the first thing I do is I exclude all the people that I, I, I know I'm never going to get in the lineups anyway. So I don't even have to worry about looking at them. Right. And I'm probably I'm right. not building 150 lineups. I'm probably building 60 lineups. So now I can start getting rid of even some of the fringe guys that I just don't even want to bother with also. So then I have like a player pool of like maybe 45 players on on a 10 game slate. And then from okay. there, I just go team by team. I go, you know, oh, this team, I only have one guy in the pool from. So obviously I don't need a group for this shit. So like and I go and then I see, oh, it's the Raptors and it's Van Vliet, Siakam and Barnes. I was like. Like, I don't want to play Van Vliet, Siakam. I don't want to play more, no more than one Van Vliet or Siakam. Done. Group. Done. No, and then, okay. then it's like Giannis, and it's like Giannis, Middleton, Holiday. Like, okay, no more than one of those guys. Okay, let's go to the next, you know, depending on the price, obviously. And then you get to the Warriors. Everyone's out for the Warriors. So it's like, like okay, give me whatever, whatever you want from the Warriors. And then I right. look to see. Okay, well, the two centers, or the, I look at court IQ or something. It's like Kaminga comes in for this guy. So it's like either one of the two are going to say, okay, just group them out, even though they're both priced that I could technically still play them together, right? Yeah. Like I could do all of that for, for 10 games in maybe five minutes, right? Okay. You just Because I'm doing it so I, I do it every day. So like yeah. it's very easy to just go through and go, uh, it, are, are these two guys cheap enough that I can play them together? Are they not? No. Uh, can I play Vucevic and DeRozan together? No, I don't want to do that. Like you could, but since I'm only making 60 lineups and I already have a player pool, I'm just going to exclude those types of lineups anyway. And then you do all yeah. of that and then you run a, a, an initial run with with nothing else just to get a sense of what the ownership numbers are. And then you yeah. find, then I just scroll down. I, I make 300. I scroll all the way down. And I see where there's like a cut, like where it drops heavy enough. And it's like, oh, it's seven points off of this, this much ownership. <laughs> and then I cap it there and I go, okay, that's, that's, that's the highest lineup that I want. 
And then from there, it's diversification. Then say, okay, I want uh, at least three guys different, or maybe two guys different, depending on how much chalk is available. You know, like, you know, if they got guys that are like going to be 90% on because they should be, like, like my unique players may only be like one or two. But in a slate right. where it's, it's very efficient everywhere, I may have a lot more diversified lineup. So that's how I choose that. And then, then it comes yep. down to, do I want to play Dorian Finney-Smith in 42% of my lineups? No. I want him in 10% of my lineups. Run it again. And then after a couple of runs, there's my lineups and you know, upload. I mean, I just yeah, explained I my, mean, it, I just explained my, like, and that's, but this is yeah. after adjusting. Like once I get it down to like 40, 45 players, now I could go and adjust the ownership and go, well, since their ETR has them way higher than we, than RG has them, it's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bump up the RG projection by one and a half, but I'm going to bump up the ownership from 12% to 22%. And then because yeah. of that, I got to lower. So that takes me about five minutes to do, right? So the ownership changes and everything is... So like, that's why I said I could do it in 15 minutes. It would be a rush. I wouldn't be... Con- oh, I, yeah. I wouldn't be comfortable. I, like, it would be one of those things where I where I, I I've rebuilt five or six times and it's 6.59, and it's like the last run is running, and it's like, whatever this is, that's what I'm uploading, even though I may not be comfortable with it. If I have a yeah. half an hour of lead time, I typically don't get to that, but typically I'm, I'm, right. I'm a good five minutes to go, and outside of some really late scratch news or something like that, like, I'm not I'm not sweating that, that fan duel updater, you know, like it goes updating your yeah. lineup, zero, one, two, three, 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 whatever type of thing or a DraftKings. Like I'm so there, if but. you, if you are limiting your player pool that much, so I, I rarely take out players from my player pool mm. unless I'm doing it very intentionally. Cause I'm like, this guy's way too high owned and doesn't really have a ceiling. So I'm going to take him out of my player pool, but I rarely take players out. And I think I would be concerned about late swap doing that. Is that do you not even worry about like, okay, I'm going to limit my player pool this much. And then, you know, news comes out after lock that this player was unexpectedly out. And now one of those players you've removed jumps I up. Them back I would when be. I do my late swap stuff. Yeah. I guess you're, you're more confident that you'll remember than I, and maybe, maybe well, I, I would be. Remember, I any time yeah. I'll, re- I'll, re- I'll reload my, the, the projections and then I'll go to the excluded tab and see if any, any, any of them pop up because of some lineup change or anything that, so I, uh, typically, uh, okay. I I will re I will refresh projections five minutes before. I mean, assuming I mean if there's news news, I mean I'll know when to do it. But five minutes before every game lock. So if there's a seven o'clock game, seven thirty game, eight o'clock game, nine o'clock, ten o'clock, like five minutes before those times is when I typically come back into my office unless, unless yeah, I'm already the sitting thing. there and yeah. refresh. And then I go to the explo- I go and I see. Did anything change? And also, I suppose you can sort by fantasy points per dollar. Or right, something right, exactly. Really so so I'll go to the excluded tab and like, did any player just show up that I that I excluded because they would never make any lineups of mine? That yeah. now they're in a better position, and then I just add them back into the pool, right? Assign them some ownership number, maybe change a couple others depending on that, and then I run the late swap stuff, and then that maybe I have to end up with twenty percent of that guy. Who knows? I mean, whatever. Whatever it is, so I, that's. But I'm saying, but that whole process of what I do, 15, 30 minutes before lock, like it's all on the basis of like that's what I did when I was making hand building lineups. I mean, it's the same, yeah. it's the same exact type of thing. It's just that I'm programming a tool to 
all the all the strategic considerations. Yeah. Like the more the more the less that I'm playing kind of chalky players, obviously the lower ownership some of my lineups are going to be. So like like the more that I'm playing the chalky players, the higher that number is going to be. There are going to be some slates where there are guys that are projected for so much so high point per dollar or salary adjusted value that yeah, my lineups going to I'm going to it's going to I think tonight's slate is a good example if you're playing on Monday with all the Warriors being out, where essentially I think most lineups are going to be 4v4s. Like, you're going to jam yeah. in the same kind of four guys and then into nearly all of your lineups. And if you're going to be jamming guys into all of your lineups and they're all going to be 50-plus percent owned, like that ownership, some number is going to be very high, right? Yeah. Right, but on a slate where, like, some guys going to be 38% owned only because they're one point higher than someone else. Like, right. those are the slates where my ownership, some number is going to be very low much lower yeah. than it is before. But that's all on the basis of like, well, that's the theoret game theory wise. That's what you should be doing. What yeah. the exact number is. Do I have an exact way of, no, I just, I just scroll, I scroll through the top 300 lineups and I go, let me get to one that if I hand built for this contest would make sense. And once I get to that and then I see what the number is, I go, okay, that's, that's where I'm capping it. Like it's yeah. a very blunt process, but it's, I, it's a very, I mean, like what Peter described on, on, on your show, like it's, I, I don't think, I don't think would, would dramatically different. And I, I don't think yeah. me and you do anything that dramatically different either. I just no. think I, I'm a little, I'm a little bit more precise about what I want. Yep. You're, you, I you, you have a little bit more serendipity into your lineups. Yeah. I think that's accurate. Yeah, you're definitely putting in. I mean, you've said it before. Um, I don't remember which show it was on, but you said on a show before that your goal in using an optimizer is to create X number of lineups that look like lineups you would hand build. Like you just want the optimizer to create lineups that you would hand build, but you want it to make a lot of those. And I try to do the same thing, uh, but I, you know, don't put as much into it as you do. And uh, I actually, my, my last, the last day I played DFS uh, was five or six days ago and i ended up getting third on FanDuel, uh which was the best i've done in a while for a great ten thousand dollars so not some steak knives um but i my lineup is one that i would not have hand built <laughs> it was it had both trenton watford is that his name and uh yeah. and drew eubank so so two guys who like substitute in and out for each other directly it was clearly negative correlation and i you know spent a lot of time then i thinking about so if i had had if i had created a group to exclude these guys so i could use max one of these two which i probably should have done uh would i have you know won more money would, would i have come up with a different player in one of these spots it would have needed to have been uh, Drew Eubank, somebody, somebody replacing Drew Eubanks because Watford did really well. But uh, I spent a lot of time thinking about, I wonder what would have happened if I had done Probably I wouldn't have actually had a lineup that looked like that because I don't think there was anybody who who had the same price as Drew Eubanks who projected nearly as well. So it probably would have ended up being a 2v2 difference or something. Um, but uh, yeah, I definitely, my process allows for some lineups that don't look like lineups I would have hand built, which I think is a leak in my process. Like, even though I would not have come up with this lineup that ended up getting third, and I don't think I would have, I don't think it would have been better, you know, with that rule. In this case, I think long term it would be obviously plus EV for me to do a little bit more uh, of what you and Aha Bro do. Yeah, but I still, I, I think there is a value to serendipity. Yeah, I, I, because I, because I, I see lineups that that 
other sharp 150 matchers make that I that I wouldn't handle. I mean that I see people in there. I see combinations of players and go, no, nope, the, the there. I mean there are there there's so many slates where the win the winning lineup, the winning large field GPP lineup, is a lineup that consists of eight players that were all in my player pool that based on my groups and exposures, I couldn't, I, there, there was no way for me to ha- actually have that lineup. There's no way. It's like I would have never played those three players together. And I would have, if I would have played those three players together, I would have had one player from the other side of the game. And that player yep. wouldn't have done well, right? Like it's one of those things where I look at the lineup and I go, no, I pretty much locked myself out of the winning lineup. And that's not to me that I don't consider that a leak either in either direction. It's okay. It's a matter of when we say like that instance with Eubanks and Watford. Now those two guys for that slate were probably cheap enough that yeah, they were cheap. They were cheap enough that there was enough of a chance that they would both hit <coughs> a 90th percentile outcome in the same game. Right. Yeah. Even though they come in and out for each other. Right. Where they're just two very efficient 24 minutes each type of right. thing. Right. Or, uh, you know, a 28, 20 and the 20 minutes, you know, some guy puts up 28 fantasy points also. Right. So having them both in was ends up being there's there's a probability of that. It's just that it's lower because you'd rather have one of them get into foul trouble or whatever. And one guy to play 36 minutes and the other guy right. to barely play and just have the right one in there. That That's more probable than them both hitting a GPP winning ceiling score in the same game together when they don't even share the court together. Like, there is a percentage of time that happens. Now, if that percentage of time that that happens is worth rostering them because so many people won't do that because we see that right. in showdown, especially just to get well, unique. That's- I think it makes a lot of sense on a smaller slate to allow mm. that a lot more to, to set less restrictive groups. I, I I allow for some really weird lineups on smaller slates because I'm trying to get more unique and get get combos that nobody else has. But I think on a larger slate, it's more of an edge to eliminate those or, or to limit right. the number of negative Cause, cause correlation. The opportun- it's, more, it's, it's, it's not the negative correlation. It's the opportunity cost. Right. Like, what's the point? Yes. Like on a large not, slate, right? On a large slate, you have so many other options to play. Why would you play two centers from the same team together? On a yeah. two-game slate, you just don't have that many options. So if you have yeah. a lot of your competition that are purposely not playing two centers from the same team together, why not do it? We see it in NFL Showdown, where you know, I, depending on the prices of of the players, I've said on on our G shows that. I think playing both running backs from the same team is you're they're negatively correlated, but you're gaining <coughs> more uniqueness <coughs> by doing that than the negative correlation and then both together, especially when one of them is cheat. Like I'm not talking about two running backs that are both 9,600 in showdown. I'm talking about where, right. where one guy's 6,800 and the other guy's 3,200. And yeah. you know, they're obviously not going to be on the field at the same time, but it's like, well, one guy could rush for 100 yards and a touchdown and make it, and the other guy could just get a touchdown and 50 yards and make it, and that's reasonable yeah. enough that people are avoiding it more often than they should when right. it comes down to it. 
Exactly. I mean, that's that's my general approach to showdown and and small slates. And you also you don't need the big ceiling games from you know two two centers who are they're they're not going to both put up thirty fantasy points, but on a two game slate, one center at min price putting up seventeen fantasy points. DK points might be enough. So it can happen where this player is optimal. These two, this combo is optimal, even though they don't put up a ton of points because you don't really need a ton of points from every spot on a two or, or showdown slate. Right. On a 10 game NBA slate. Yeah. Like where that, there is that, more that, opportunity. Cost. There's somebody else who you could, right. yeah, you, you could find a different player at min cost who's going to put up more than 17 right. DK points. So, yeah. Yeah, totally comes down to opportunity cost, and there's just not that much on a really small slate, right? And then you and you judge that, and you base and you base your groups or lack of groups based on that. I still there is value in serendipity, so sure. I understand. Like you, you leave your entire pool open, and you 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 may get two out of one fifty lineups with just whatever guy fits in that whatever spot type of thing. Yep. And sometimes I just don't have those guys in my pool at all. Like if I'm going to have a guy like that in that spot, it's going to be the $4,200 guy that I already have in my pool. And it's not going to be the guy that projects for five points lower just for the sake of, because he's, he's there. Like to me, there's, there's not that that's not an incorrect or, or or correct. Like that's perfectly fine to do. But like, like you said, my goal is to build lineups as if I was hand building. And if I see players that, if I were to build one line, if I would just, I need to build one lineup. If there are players that because of a projection reason or a negative correlation reason or whatever will not make my play, will, will not make that lineup. I just don't even want to, I don't want to have to do the extra work of weeding out those lineups or, you know, like, or, or having to worry about getting their ownership and their projection, right? It's like, no, these are the guys that literally don't exist to me. And if they end up in right. the winning lineup, then so be. I, I, what what do I care? Most of the time, I would say I would say ninety percent of the time in NBA, the the G, the large field GPP winning lineup is eight players that are in my player pool. Really, even though I mean, you, when you were describing it earlier, you were mentioning like you would have a player pool of like forty five players. Right. Is it usually that small? It's usually eight players from your forty-five player player pool. Yeah, so that seems like, really restrictive to me. Okay. Yeah, but it, de- it depends on the size of the slate. I mean, like obviously, yeah, okay. like uh, on a larger slate, it could be sixty. It could be. It's going to be some. I'm only playing the top. Proje- I'm only playing the, the the better projected players. I mean, like. Yeah. And typically, that's what's making the winning. Uh, barring sure. some weird blowout thing where some weird guy gets in most, I would say most of the time. And a lot of times the GPP winning lineup has like a guy or two in it that like they're in my player pool, but I only had them in like two, out of, two out of my 60 okay. lineups. Right. Like yeah. it's, it's not, it's not something where, Oh, the winning lineup is, is all guys that I had at least 25% of, if that's the case, most likely I'm up somewhere in the top 10. Right. In that scenario. But most, but it's, it's very rare. It, it's quite rare that that some guy that's eight minus eight salary adjusted value that I don't have in my pool is in the winning line. It's just it just it in NBA right. especially MLB. Dude, yeah, MLB. anything can happen, right? <laughs> right. It, but MLB, but MLB, I'm not doing this. See, in MLB, since I'm playing, since you play more team oriented, it's like either either uh, I'm. I'm Xing out the team 
Yeah. Or I'm just playing five. I'm just playing guys from the team. The only thing that I'll right. do in MLB is I typically, and this burns me also. This is the lack of ser- serendipity as well. Is that uh, I, I lineup HQ now has an only in stacks button. I used to make groups like this, and it's a pain in the ass to make groups to do yeah. this type of thing. Is that uh, I only play home run hitters as one offs. Unless, hmm. unless it's a, a very weak catcher or middle infield position, but I will rarely ever play weak hitters in the outfield because the opportunity cost is too high. So, like on on a slate where you know, like all the Astros ninth hitter is what like Miles Straw is batting ninth and he's outfield eligible only, like he gets the only in stacks button. Like in an Astros stack. I don't mind him in with four of the Rastros, but I don't want, if I'm playing five man stacks with three one offs or whatever combination, yeah. I don't want $2,800 miles straw with three career home runs, like sitting there as a one off because like, yeah, you sure. Yes. And out of the ninth hole, he could go four for five with two doubles. When, but typically if those types of hitters put up 20, 30 points, the team has gone off because the only way for him to yeah. get there is for people to be on base and anything like that. And so I think I think Peter is more similar to you in, in this sense too. I don't know exactly what he does, but I know we've talked about it a little bit with MLB where I don't really pay attention to who I get in one-offs. And he does something more like you do where he sets he he sets makes settings so that his one-off is going to be have a solid projection or is not just going to be right. the cheap chalk essentially. Right. Um, so that's, that's interesting that you do the same thing. And, and obviously Peter had probably the best MLB DFS season ever last year. I mean, excluding Billy makers or, right. I mean, yeah. So uh, it's probably a good idea. I, I definitely don't do that as much uh, where I force in certain one-offs and it definitely makes sense. That's uh that would be a useful button to have the include only in stacks. I'm not sure if there is a way. I think I've heard people talk about doing similar things in Fantasy Cruncher. Um, that would be useful for me, at least, particularly in weather games, because sometimes I'm particularly I mean, in games that, where that, I'm concerned about the weather. That's where I'd want to use it. Right. I do that for the weather games also. Like if there's a Yankees, Red Sox, and Fenway, and it's possible and it's an eight o'clock game or something, you know, it's going to be after lock. And I just like, like if that game rains out, let it just, if I'm playing 100 MLB lineups and I'm playing 10 stacks of that game, let all 10 lineups burn. But I don't want Xander Bogart's one-offs in here and all this other stuff. And then it's like, nope, only in stacks. I just click on all the buttons and I'm just like, yep, takes care of it. You could do it in yeah. groups. It's just a pain. It's a real pain yeah. in the ass. Because you have yeah. to set, you essentially have to set nine conditional groups in order to yeah. do that. You're, yeah. you're setting each player, whoever you just want in a stack, you would have to put that conditional player and then put the other eight or seven or eight players, depending on NL or NL, in the group. And then yep. set min. I can do that. Min, right, min four. Min four. Yep. Right. So if he's in, he, you need to have at least four guys from this list, which means that he can never be a one-off. But you have to do yep. that for fucking everyone. And <laughs> let me tell you, I used to fucking do that. <laughs> and yep, it's that's, a pain uh, That would be yeah, a lot of work. I did definitely have not done that for MLB, um, but it would be a pain in the ass because that's a lot of players. But uh, but you but you don't mind the serendipity. I don't mind it. Yeah, 
that that is true. It, I have had some lineups that have done well that I probably wouldn't have played if I put in a little bit more work into uh, making sure there was positive correlation or getting rid of all of the negative correlation. So, right, but that yeah, doesn't mean that those are negative. That. Those are, those are minus EV lineups. They're just right. like, my lineups are probably higher EV. Right. I think that's but like long. Well, that, that's what I'm saying is long term. You want the highest EV lineups. Right. Like you're going to win more getting rid of the negative correlation in large field GPPs. Right. Obviously, there, there's a difference once you get into smaller field. And we've talked about that with Showdown. I like to embrace negative correlation. And there are situations where it's useful. But for there's large field GPPs. Like, like we have to really the short slates and the showdowns. There's more value in being unique than in being correlated. Correlation. Yeah, right. exactly. Large but probably isn't. And long term, long term, large field, large slates, you probably want to eliminate those. It's probably more positive EV to limit the negative correlation more than I do. So it also depends on what I'm you saying. want your attrition rate to be. Like I could understand if you're playing 150 lineups and you know that like in order to make 120 plus EV lineups, you have to burn 30 of them as minus EV. That could be that could be worthwhile to do for our process wise because it's easier than yeah. someone like me that I may only play forty to sixty lineups and it's like I'm playing forty to sixty of the best lineups I could play right like that is I, true. I don't want any attrition I'm doing it I'm perfect like it's almost like the less lineups that I'm making the more work I have to put in but when I play a hundred when I play some of the slates like on FanDuel when they're doing the four dollar contest or something or sometimes an MLB like a the, on fan because it's now only four man stacks. Sometimes I'm building, like, because I'm playing on DraftKings also. So it's like my 150 on FanDuel for baseball is just like, here are the teams I want, and good luck. And just like, just whatever happens, happens. And on DraftKings, where I may only be playing 50 lineups, I'm actually putting in like four times as much work just to make sure I sculpt the 50 that that I exactly want. And on the FanDuel yeah. lineups, I look at some of them and go, if I would have done this myself, I would have never played this line. This lineup looks completely <laughs> fucked up. That's how I am every slate, essentially, is I spend way more time on DraftKings and then FanDuel I do in like the last five, ten minutes. I'm, I'm making quick adjustments and trying to get a little bit weird, but I spend so much less time on FanDuel than DraftKings just because the the entry fee is lower. I, you know, I always have more money in play on DraftKings than I do right. on FanDuel. So, yeah. I think also in NBA that that Fev, you don't have to worry about as many players on FanDuel. Just because the pricing is so soft right. on certain players that it's like these right. players. There, there are certain so players on more. FanDuel that I just, I, I, there's no point in playing. Like, just I, why even bother? Like, it seems like my, my player pool on FanDuel is always so much smaller because, like, I don't yeah. need to, like, I don't need to play $3,800 guys a lot of times. Unless yeah. it's some, like, he's stepping into 36 minutes or something. I, like, you never, you're rarely, you're rarely playing pure pun plays on FanDuel. Yet on yep. DraftKings, you're often playing pure pun plays. And a lot of times yep. on slates that have very little value, some of these punt, like you could play 18, 18 different people that are all within two points of each other. So you got to, yep. you got to like pay attention to all of that. And on FanDuel, it's just like, I don't need to play Justin Holiday. Like I just like, I don't have to worry about those types of players. Because I, yep. I, I could That's jam true. in Luka and LeBron and, and Giannis and still, and still have a lineup that has, has actual yep. value to it. True. 
Yeah, it's a good point. It's just it's so much softer on on FanDuel the pricing that you can generally just play a bunch of different variations of similar lineups of guys that you actually want to play. The only, Whereas on DraftKings, the, the only noticeable difference though is that the uh, my my ownership uh, projections for DraftKings are oh are are way better than FanDuel. I'm FanDuel. It, I'm more likely off. Okay. Van, 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 some, sometimes, sometimes I'm way off. Fanduel, Fanduel is, I, I, they ha, it has to be softer fields for this stuff because it is, yeah. Because I'm, dra- I'm drafting. Sometimes my my ownership is like almost dead on. Like, I mean, I could be off by two points here or there. Someone's thirty eight percent on, and I had him at thirty six. Right? Someone's eighteen, and I had him at at, at fifteen. It's like I'm close. But on Fanduel, sometimes it's like. I'm, I have this guy 22% owned and he comes in at six. And I go, how did, how did, who's owned? Like, wh- I have to go I scroll through and go, where's, where'd the ownership go? Because <laughs> you see the friend of mine was just, and you go like, how, how is this guy not at least 20% owned? Yeah. I've been, I've been talking with uh, a friend of mine, an online friend of mine who I met through the awesome Slack Chris four one six five eight. If you play FanDuel, you may have seen the name because he's really, really good player. Uh, One fifty. I think he's actually he won a milli on FanDuel, and he's always been only a FanDuel player until a couple weeks ago. He decided to start playing on DraftKings. Just decided that the prize pools were too too enticing. And after a few weeks, he was asking me about like NBA. What do you do differently on on DraftKings versus FanDuel? And I actually haven't gotten back to him yet on that question. Um, I I told him I'd I'd get back to him, but. he because he was like i haven't been having success on DraftKings nba and i'm like i feel like FanDuel is just so much softer like night to night i'm likely to make back uh close to what i put in or more or profit on FanDuel. whereas on DraftKings, i'd say the nights that i actually profit are rare in right. large field gpps you can win a lot more but it's it's much softer on FanDuel. of course he i think he got like fourth last night or a couple nights ago so he's i think figured out DraftKings without any insight from me um but in general i feel like DraftKings is just way softer than than FanDuel nba at least well FanDuel is softer than DraftKings. yeah yeah FanDuel is softer than DraftKings. also yep. it's also it's the the, the field sizes because at FanDuel with the lower price, like it's the lower entry fee, larger field means that the percentage of 150 maxers is lower on FanDuel because it's not it's not gonna cha- really change from site to site. If, if you're playing 150 lineups, like you're not you're not a casual player, you're not like no. There aren't many, there aren't many, many, if any, bad 150 max players that exist that stay around. I'm I'm talking, yeah. Right, right. Right. Long term. 150. I'm just like at this point, if you've seen someone enter 150 lineups on both sites for two, three years, they ain't they ain't a bad player. Right? Right. So like there yeah. aren't many in the grand scheme of things. So if we have like 80 on a given night, well, 80 in the 80, 150 maxers is I mean, we're talking about 12,000 entries. Yeah. Right? But I mean, Fandle's contest may be sixty thousand entries total, while DraftKings right. may only be twenty four thousand entries total. So, like half the field on DraftKings is one hundred and fifty maxers, while only you know twenty to twenty five percent are on FanDuel. So, That's a good point. Where all the so a lot of single bullets and random people playing and 
and even of those 150 matches, I mean, I've just said, and you've just said that we spend a lot less time on FanDuel than we do on DraftKings. Right. I'm sure that's true of all 150 maxers too, that we're just in general not spending as much time on our FanDuel lineup. So we're probably playing somewhat softer also just because we're not putting in as much time. Right. But I still, but, yeah. and it, but it still comes down to, I still prefer DraftKings over FanDuel. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, yeah, it, I, it doesn't make any sense. You, to me, I, I should just be playing FanDuel all the time. Yeah, I mean, or you should really be playing Yahoo all the time. We should all no. be playing Yahoo all the time. It's Yah- the worst, Yah- though, the Yahoo UI. Is the, that, I, it depends. Like, Yahoo, for the large field GPP, I would I would agree with you. But on anything else, I I, dis- I disagree. I played I played Yahoo last season. And towards, the, like, I, I, even this season, because I know, I know, like, Chris Kirkwood plays on Yahoo. I know, I know. Brian plays on Yahoo. I mean, I know the regulars on Yahoo. Uh, mm-hmm. The contest sizes are sm- outside of the one large field GPP. The contest size, the field sizes are small enough that it's it's just all sharp players. Okay. Like, because I, I would play like the the fifty fifties and all that type of stuff, and it's 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 basically your it's train versus train. Okay. Like so, huh. like yeah. Well, I-, one, I I. I, I I don't mind being part of trains if there's hundred man contests, but not eleven man contests. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, I'm like, referring that, when that's I say really Yahoo, what it came I'm down to on Yahoo, Lord, where yeah. like unless I'm gonna unless I'm gonna play the large field GPP, which is still smaller than DraftKings and FanDuel by ten times. Yeah, what's the point of play? Like, what what I'm a hundred dollars worth of volume? What I'll forget about. It. I, I'm more likely to forget I even have Yahoo lineups. <laughs> That that's gonna eat away on on the two, one or two days a week that I just have a dummy lineup in there and I just lose a hundred bucks or hundred and fifty yeah. bucks. That it's is it worth even doing? That happened to me with NFL a few times that I just forgot to set lineups and <laughs> yeah ran a bad Yahoo train. So that that's true. That that is a risk with Yahoo. I think early early in the year I actually had a friend who tried doing Yahoo double ups and it was telling me that they would only fill like fifty percent early in the year. I assume they've adjusted and it's no longer happening, but for a little while there was major overlay in, in double ups head to heads uh on I guess not head to heads, just double ups on Yahoo. Well sometimes so sometimes you get that on FanDuel as well towards the, right before lock. Okay. You're, I think you're more likely you get you get it much more in FanDuel before lock than you do on DraftKings. DraftKings has really has really nailed down the contest sizing towards the yeah. end. It used to be like like four or five years ago that that was good. That was like the, the ten minutes before lock was gold was a gold mine. Do they, I thought they it used to be they wouldn't run the contest if they didn't fill for the really small contests on. Both sites, I think. No, well, Fan, no, Fanduel, no, Fanduel, you get it more for the the GPP, the smaller GPPs and the satellites. Oh, okay, we're not talking okay. about we're not talking about fifty fifties. Yeah, they need a hundred okay. people, or those are non guaranteeds. I'm talking about right. like ten minutes before lock on Fanduel. You know, you'll see right, you'll right. See, they, oh, they run a secondary GPP. Right, yeah, right, right. Or they're okay. running like the mini SWAT, the mini ones. It's like two hundred ninety seven. People, entries and it's and it's a single entry and it's like 78 of 297 and there's two minutes to lock and it's like okay there you go but throw that in there right like yeah. and then you get satellites if you want to collect satellite tickets you get tons of those right draft yeah. like DraftKings four years ago like you were able to go and get like 23 man double ups five out of 23 with a minute to go like dude 
Sometimes it's three, three, four minutes to go before lock, and like there's no, there's no open contests. Everything is a must right. fill. Everything is a non guarantee. Like they just like, right? Yeah. So if you find even a couple like that are like eighteen of twenty three or something, like that's a treat. Right. Right. But on Fandle, dude, Fandle, you could just rack up. I mean, dude, satellite tickets. I mean, yeah. I, 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 I could pro, I could probably play. Uh, an an entire an entire 150 max set of a one slate simply on satellite tickets. Currently, maybe not right currently because I haven't I, okay. I haven't played NBA as much this season. But like that's right. what I used to do on like last year on Fanduel. But the problem was on Fanduel last year I was just playing cash games, so I would play the satellites, and then it got to the point where I had so many satellite tickets, but I wasn't playing the large field GPP that I got to the, that I literally got to the point where it's like, okay, today, today I will play. And I won 50 max with 150, 50 satellite tickets. And then, wow. and then, then at the end I had like 32 tickets and I just put, just put in my cash lineup 32 times on like the last slate of the year or something like <laughs> only cause right before lock, you could go down, you could find satellite, you know, 16 man satellite and it's five out of 16. And it's right. like, well, why the hell not? I mean, this is, this is, I, I, you can find it for all the sports. Also, I just don't play. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna collect NHL tickets that I don't play. Right. right? I'm not I'm, yeah. PGA stuff that I don't play. It's all. It's all like to other NBA contests, right? And then you yeah. can also find the ones where it's like the monster. Like you get people trying to try for monster satellite tickets. Like you have to spend more money, but a lot of times it's like, it's like up oh, two out of five, guaranteed, and like you'll be the third person in there, and that's it. It's like, yeah. like if you want to get, I mean, those that. are more expensive contests, yeah. though. But right. they don't run them as must fills. I mean, this is this is Kyle Dvorak's whole thing for a while, right? He, yeah. You talked about it on the show with him that he he was just chasing overlay for a while and did pretty well with it. Yeah, no, he ended up going to the the NHL final, all 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 yeah. on all on overlay. Yeah. Why not? Seems like a pretty sharp strategy. Just chase that overlay. Right. Well, that's why. That's why I, 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 my plan is to. I'm going to start with Madden Sims. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think I'm going to be following you there, but maybe I, people really love uh, League of Legends, so maybe maybe I need to be getting involved in these weird computer sim stuff. And and I guess I guess League of Legends isn't sim related, but it's. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I need to get into these weird online things that I don't fully understand yet. Right, you have the time, right? You're a night person. Yeah, and Madden, I, I imagine it's just you're you're making NFL lineups essentially, right? It's, right. it's the same as yeah. But it's a video game. Maybe I should. It out. Yeah. Who cares? If right. It's, uh, We're degenerate. You've got projections. You've got ownership projections. Yeah. Right. Why not? Why not? Uh, so you you have uh, who who's next on? Yeah. Do you do you have RBX I'll be I'll be interviewing RBX uh, on Thursday. So we we had we did an interview two weeks ago, uh, and then learned this past week on Tuesday afternoon that we had lost the recording. Oh, so you have to, uh, so you have to interview him again. I'm going to interview him again this week on Thursday, which which is a bummer because we 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 both enjoyed the last show. It was a fun time. So did you talk about did you can, talk about sex? A little bit. We we touched did on you it. Talk, did you briefly. talk about when he when he missed golf? The golf. We, we touched on it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's yeah. the only. That's the only I mean, thing I want to hear about. Not not explicitly. Like I didn't. You know, I tried to be a little bit 
coy about it, I guess, but uh, we, we touched on it a little bit. So, so in the replay, hopefully so we can... now you get to interview him again. Just in, what was up with that? What was up with the golf slate where you missed luck because <laughs> yeah. you were having too much sex? Yeah. <laughs> you think I just go for it? Just ask yeah, it just not? like that? Be bold. I mean, I, I looked I looked on our, our podcast uh, stream. We're, we're listed as a clean podcast, which the producer t- did tell sex, me. That isn't that I don't have to worry about that. Yeah, I yeah. <laughs> it's not it's not a major concern of mine. I'm I'm probably not gonna censor myself too much, but uh yeah, we'll see. We'll see what we talk about. And that's maybe we'll high, talk about the exact same stuff. That's high stakes, a DFS discussion show. Correct. And it's now it's now on iTunes. You could find it there, you could find it on Spotify or Spreaker or wherever wherever you get your podcasts, as well as the awesome yeah. o, uh podcast feed. But uh in order to catch it on the awesome o podcast feed you have to sort through like 700 other shows. There is, if you go to the playlist, there is a playlist specifically for high stakes. I think I might have to pin it on my Twitter or something, make it easier to find. Yeah, that would. That I've would never help. pinned a tweet, but that would probably help. Okay, so pin that tweet. All right, I'll do that. It's not I'll that hard. That. It's just a button. With the links. Right. Yeah. Just a button. Yeah. Embra- embrace, embrace serendipity. That's right. Uh, player advice. Q DFS on Twitter. And uh, I'm Blender HD, as always, on Twitter. And the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports, which you can pick up. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass at theoryofdfs.com.